Coming up, the sweetest words that any Brooklyn Nets fan wants to hear. Mikhail Bridges sitting on the bench, relaxing as the Nets dominate the Wizards at home to close out their homestand. We take a look at the big play from the stars up top, the monstrous performances from Dayron Sharp and Nicholas Claxton, and gosh darn it, just how sweet it is to close out 6-7, hitting the road. We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use promo code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I will be making a deposit match with you, Doug, in enthusiasm and excitement for the 124 97 victory, Brooklyn Nets over the Wizards. Let's go, baby. Three in a row, Friday night, blitz the Wizards. This is everything you wanted to. They've done everything since that Hornets loss. They've done literally everything they could possibly do to make you forget that Hornets loss. That is so far in the rearview mirror, and it's a good reminder for all of us to have a steady hand around this stuff when it seems bleak because it just takes about a week or so and a little bit longer. They've rattled off three in a row, crushed the magic, buzzer bait, essentially a buzzer beater, you know, for Mikhail Bridges against the Hawks. And then completely destroy the Wizards at home yep. in in a in a in a game where they even shot poorly to begin with. I mean, they are. And we'll talk about this later about sort of like long rest of season prospects here, but they are riding a hot streak. Have looked really really good, and it's just like it's just really really nice way to kind of cap off a Friday night of hoops. Yeah, there was you know end of the first quarter. It's a little buzzer beater that gets Wizards a couple points closer. Same thing at the end of the first half. You go, is this is this what we're gonna do? No, 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 no. You never lose faith. You never feel like it's gonna get away from them. And just from a high level, as you said, not only coming out of that Hornets game, but we also know this is the stretch where we said the Brooklyn Nets need to go out and dominate the teams that they have on their schedule. And the 76ers just had a tight experience with the Washington Wizards. So you come into this one thinking, we know they can score a lot of points. Is it gonna come down to the wire? Instead, the Nets have now won six out of seven. We, they're going to hit the road trip next week. That's going to be a lot out on the West Coast. So you need to find a way to stack wins, getting to 12 and nine and dealing with injuries along the way as they continue to have more coming into this game. I, I just, man, at some point, you have to just take a step back and say, whatever your expectations were coming into this season, the Nets are exceeding it and they're doing it in, in ways that start to elevate certain player profiles on this roster. Yeah, we're going to get into some of the guys from this game, too. A couple other just like sort of things to mention here. One is when you're kind of trending this way, you do beat out. You do beat the bad teams by a lot. Right. They were nine and a half point favorites. team. Like we right. know how bad nine and a half point favorites coming in. It always makes you a little nervous, like Nets being big favorites. Like, hey, do they really have a blowout in them? I mean, they did it against the Magic the other day, though. They didn't have like a total blowout feel to it, you know, but they end up winning easily in the double digits this one they come in as huge favorites nine and a half favorites is about as big as they're going to probably be all season against anybody is my guess right and you're you're always kind of looking at it and you're like ah, do they have that like do they have that gear to get up to obviously everyone shoots poorly 
in the in the first half. But by the end of it, if you look, don't look now. Like the Nets have the sixth best um, point differential in the NBA, plus three point eight. This is a team that is just figuring it out. The connectivity is really good. I mean, they went with again with a short rotation for this game. No Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, no Ben Simmons. The two way guys weren't up. Um, you know, D- uh, Derek and Noah Clowney weren't up on the bench for this one. So like they were playing with a pretty short bench, but it kind of like didn't matter by the time w- when they started, you could tell when they started rolling downhill, the ball was zipping. The spacing was great. Everyone sort of just knew what everyone was doing. They were running pretty particular actions mm-hmm. that were freeing them up. And we'll talk about the, the bigs here, obviously shortly too, but it was just looking like a team that had a lot of just uh, synergy. I don't want to use these buzzwords, but yeah, sort of just understood what the assignment was. Did and, and one, sorry, I know I'm going long. Like one more key difference in that Hornets game. They let a bad team hang around long enough to believe they could win. Yep. This was sort of trending this direction in this game until the nets were like, no, forget it. We have to just kill these guys. <laughs> right. Like, and that was like one of the key differences also just shot poorly in, in this game, but still were able to walk away with it. Yeah, 40-point third quarter, right? This one is a couple possession game coming out of the break, and it's very early in the third quarter, which is is also where you want to see it, right? Because you know as the NBA goes with runs, you can start to pull away late in the game the last three or four minutes of it. As I mentioned at the top, Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson are sitting down with six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter of this game. That's how well in hand it was, up 20 points, and they really buried them in a lot of ways. And I'll just say... From the from the highest of levels, when you go back to the offseason, the Nets make some additions here, right? They hold on to some veteran players as well. We said this before we came on. When you look across to the Washington Wizards, and I'm not I'm not I'm not knocking these guys, but go Kyle ahead and knock Kuzma them. and Jordan Poole <laughs> are not the dudes that you want to be the face of a rebuild or the face of the future or even the face of like the bridge. You don't want yeah. these guys to be those dudes, and I feel like like this game tonight at least from a Nets perspective, like, yeah, this is exactly why these guys don't mean anything. Their stats are useless. They're completely padding and they don't have the personality or leadership qualities that you want to have when you have young players that you're developing countered by Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and just everything that this organization has been putting together here this year. I feel like this is very much like looking into the multiverse and going, oh, it could have been that version of the Brooklyn Nets if they chose a different path. That's a really interesting way to put that. And I think you're totally spot on in that in like sort of and now the Wizards obviously came into the season wanting to probably lose and tank mm-hmm. and like they kind of saw their prospects and you throw Jordan Poole on your team. That's a great tank commander. Like he can just he can jack shots from the rafters all day long. I mean, in, in the span Not of problem, multiple sir. <laughs> in the first quarter, they they threw the ball, the ball behind their back out of bounds. Yep. Jordan Poole uh, dropped it, uh, dribbled one off of his foot. Um, no and like later took one to the, to the rack that clacks it. We'll talk about the bigs in a second clacks it like almost stuffed all the way back into his body. Like the block, the block was so ferocious, but you, the way you put it is really, really good. It's like, when you look at these two teams, both sort of on the younger side, one clearly just trying to lose, but even, but like trying to lose, but also not really like, what do you really point to as the hope? Like block Bali? Like there's, right. it's not a lot that you can kind of like rally around. Then you look over at the nets and you're like, I know a professional organization that's been dealt some weird breaks here in the last couple of years, but, and maybe you don't look and say like, we have like crazy superstars here on the team, but go out and get, take care of business as like a good professional organization and end up crushing the team. Like it is your, right. your the juxtaposition is a, is a good one by you coming up here in a second. Let's talk about two guys. 
with a little bit of size. Nicholas Claxton and Dayron Sharp. Quite frankly, this kid has taken a leap from years two to year three that is as impressive or burgeoning on a little Cam Thomas kind of love, right? We'll get into the bigs and their massive impact on this game in just one second. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made so easy. Prize Picks took all the most fun parts of daily fantasy, put them together, and just turned it into a really, really cool product that you have to check out. All you're doing on Prize Picks is you're going more or less on the Prize Picks projections. You're not trying to put lineups together, you're not trying to figure out salaries, you're not worrying about like sharks in the water. This is kind of the, some of the other stuff you can run into on some of these other fantasy operators. Not prize picks, more or less on points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. As for the NBA, obviously you can go over the NFL. You can get touchdowns, rushing yards, receiving yards, every really every single stat you can think of. You go more or less, you combine uh, up to five picks together. You can win up to 25 times your money. You can combine sports too. So maybe you uh, want to get a couple of Nets guys in there, maybe a couple of Giants or Jets guys in there as well. Maybe the, the less on some of those guys, but that's okay. That's what Price Picks offers you. Price Picks has figured all this out. They even have uh, the reboot policy that's going to make sure your entries stay live, even if one of the players gets injured, which can be absolutely brutal in some of these formats. No worries. Price Picks has you covered there as well. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA. Get a grab a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA. First deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Yes, sir. So as we continue the postgame episode, talking about that 124-97 victory over the Wizards at home for the Brooklyn Nets, again, winning three in a row now, winning six out of seven, and capping things off before they head out for their West Coast swing. I will also note, guys, that not only do we appreciate you making us your first listen, if you're looking to have some fun, you can go ahead and make the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube known as Locked On Sports Today. Your second listen, that's because they got the 24-7 coverage of all the top sports stories and, of course, utilizing the Locked On Network local experts. So go over to YouTube, turn on your alerts, and subscribe today. Now, we wanted to go at the high level because that's what matters most, burying a bad team, getting those wins. When you looked, I, I know I know Detroit's on that list. I know Memphis is on the list. I don't know the third team that Washington has beaten this year, but you don't want to be the fourth team. You just don't want to be a part of that very yeah. finite list, which is filled with very bad teams this season. Then we get to, listen, I, I think Claxton is as much a part of this as well, and there's really big moments. You mentioned the block. But I want to start with Dayron Sharp just because it has been so impressive how he has now integrated him into himself into being a part of this team and being able to be a consistent part of the rotation. You mentioned this um, correctly a couple episodes ago. They are now consistently playing a little bit more drop coverage. So it doesn't have to be let's switch from one unit to the next. It's the consistent process they're going through, which I think allows Dayron to come into this game and then do everything that he does, man. Monster blocks around the rim, monster rebounding numbers. And also the offensive game is really rounding out where he can actually be a part of the process, not just waiting for some of those putback opportunities. If you combine, I'll just do this real quick, just because it's uh, it's just it illustrates something that Nets fans have just been driving them crazy, and then we'll get talk. I'll you know I'm gonna round this back into day on. If you combine the Nets center minutes tonight, right? So this is 26 from Claxton, 20 from Sharp, and I'm gonna throw in a uh, fan favorite Harry Giles with his five minutes in the end, and that's basically all the center minutes was of like one or two of these got overlapped. These guys combined for 34 points, uh, 28 rebounds. Yeah. and five blocks <laughs> like that's what they got like Nets fans who've been going crazy around wanting to get like true center minutes for all these years I mean they have it now that, that yeah. point stop it's over like they have it they're getting so much great center play 
Dayron is a huge reason for this because they, he his minutes off the bench have been. I mean, the year over year leap for him has been massive, yep. massive. Yep. I, like it's really one of the core, probably underreported stories, just because the Nets aren't a huge national story and he's Dayron Sharp, and that's just sometimes the way these things go, right? Like it's that's why it's fun to be root for your team, right? Because you're going to know some of these guys that we all know about now, where you know national folks aren't paying attention to it. I joked about it uh, during the game. Do you know how good Daron Sharp has had to be for everyone to stop talking about Harry Giles? I mean, that's like elite stuff, <laughs> like elite, elite stuff for, for Nets fans. This drop Harry Giles talk. That just means this is how good and Nets fans will get the joke here. Like this is how good Claxton has, or excuse me, how good Sharp has been. And it doesn't take anything away from Claxton. Claxton was amazing here too. They're just getting so much great center play from these two guys, rim protection, confidence around the rim, finishing her at the rim tonight. Uh, they took, they, the nets worked overtime actually to play in the post. I don't know if you noticed that people yeah. notice this, but they actually had interior passes because they were playing an actual post game because, you know, did Gallinari was getting switched onto the big, or they were just playing without Gafford and they just abused these guys. And this is so that's just, it's just such a good sign for where they are on some of these big minutes that they are able to, I think at this point you can say, the Nets can confidently roll out 48 minutes worth of good center play. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's, and that's like, that is just a huge thing, especially in the regular season in the NBA. They can play 48 straight minutes of just good, high quality, get on the glass, protect the rim, you know, make things difficult out of their centers. It's not something we've been able to say for years and years and years with this team. And here we are. Yeah, the assumption that it was going to have to be small ball lineups with Dorian Finney-Smith, right? Like, you can get away from that now. You can talk about matchups like this, as you said, whether it, it's an aging Gallinari and just matchups you think you take advantage of. There was a sequence specifically just for Dayron before we talk a little bit more about Claxton. There was a sequence where he ended up, I think, he lost, he got blocked on it, I believe, uh, by Gafford. He did where he turned, faced up, drove the lane, switched hands in midair, and used his offhand. Now, again, it got blocked, but he, but that alone, I was like, okay. that's We talked about this with Claxton last season, where it was like, oh, okay, you're going to turn and face up and attack a guy at the basket? That's a new facet to your game. And it was only the next sequence later when that ball got back inbounded, and Dayron went right back to the well with it, got underneath, and laid it up with his right hand. So I think there's... Also, this this confidence building that's going on for Dayron Sharp too, specifically on the offensive end. The defensive end of the floor, I think, is kind of just rinse and repeat with him in a positive way. Set up, be there, be insanely aggressive where people maybe are a little frightened to challenge you for rebounds and then get this thing out in transition. But offensively now, he had four assists in this game. That's like such a footnote inside of this. But that's the same thing about any of these younger players. Spatial awareness, not just being a guy that because I'm around the basket, I'm automatically going up and trying to attack. We've seen him struggle to finish around the rim. But when you have easy looks, when you have e easy drop-offs, all of a sudden it creates real opportunities for teammates as well. We can turn it over to Nicholas Claxton here and just reiterate that Jordan Poole, I think, Nicholas Claxton in his mind theorized that he could physically make Jordan Poole swallow the basketball. That's what it looked like, yeah. He, he, <laughs> he sure looked like it. Claxton plays with such a chip on his shoulder. I, and I, and sometimes yeah. it gets the best. Sometimes it gets the best of him. Um, you know, he's gotten some texts in the past and, and he just wants to let you know if he does something. I think he just plays with just such intensity. I don't think there's no maliciousness to it. He's just a super, super intense guy. And I, it's awesome to watch. And it just, and I, you can kind of see, like, I, I don't know if it's a, 
chip on a shoulder because he thinks he should be getting more, you know, defensive player of the year recognition, or if it's because sure. he feels like, you know, that conversation dropped off or he wants to get paid. Like who cares? I don't even care what the motivation uh, It's clearly whatever it is. He plays angry and, but he plays angry, but he plays in control. And that's like a, usually a pretty rare thing. It's a pretty rare thing to play sort of pissed off, but also sort of not make any crazy mistakes with that energy mm-hmm. either. And I think he's got like just such a great combination of those two things right now. And for whatever the reason is, where I, and I don't, I guess I'm saying because I don't really feel like this has been all the time with him. It could just be a confidence thing. Like he knows his role is set. He is, he probably knows he's going to get paid at this point, but still wants to prove it. Like I think there's a lot of things that are going into this for Nick Claxton. I, whatever it is, the results have just been so good. And he, it's, and I think, I feel like each game or just each couple games, we we take a note and we say, oh, he did this. Like tonight, they're mm-hmm. working him in the post yeah. a little bit more. We've seen him more grab a rebound. He actually facilitates the fast break. It's not yeah. outlet pass. It's he takes it the full length for the drop off. He did that twice in this game where, so it's every once in a while, these little pieces of his game, dribble handoff, you fake it and you actually attack the rim because you turn the corner on the other big. Like we're seeing these, these things that will every once in a while pop up for him that are just just check marks and the expansions of his game. And it also realize you realize he probably, he probably still has not hit the ceiling yet. No, a hundred percent. At least I, in theory, I, I think a hundred percent agree that there's still more for him to unfold in his game. And by the way, you mentioned the numbers combining these players, you threw in Harry Giles, but if we back, even if we back out Giles, it's still going to be double doubles for both of these guys too, yeah. right? 15 rebounds, 13 points for Claxton, 11 rebounds, 15 points for Dayron Sharp in just 20 minutes. And then you mentioned, of course, the work they're doing on the interior as well. A block, a steal for Dayron, two more blocks in this game for Nicholas Claxton as well. And and before we talk about, um, I want to get to Cam Thomas here, obviously, trying to get himself bounced back a little bit. And then just the overall offensive play in this game to wrap things up. you, You mentioned there about maybe it's the confidence for Nicholas Claxton in knowing that this, that, that he's not, he's not going anywhere that he, he it's his role to claim. He's a part of the core going forward. I feel like you can extend that maybe to Dayron sharp in what his role is, maybe to cam Thomas and what his role is going to be after you come out of that superstar era. And you know, you have guys like McHale and you know, you have Cameron Johnson and these veterans, but if you're the young players on this roster, you don't have to think more than a year, maybe two years from now, where a lot of the veterans are gone and you are functionally the new core, still along with McHale and Cam probably, Johnson that is, but but that you have a real identity of where you're going. Because when you're around a superstar team, you're probably only a second away from saying, well, we might need to add this guy. Who do we shed? How do we dump? Where's the young guy, right? Where's the add-in? As opposed to feeling like you're a part of these cornerstone pieces. Maybe that's something. Maybe it's nothing. All I know is I'm filled with nothing but positive vibes here as we work our way out of this 124-97 victory that we'll continue the conversation on in just one second. All right, before we get to that, Look, these days we come we come to the podcast, we come here to escape. We're watching sports because we're just trying to get away from some of the crazy realities of real life. But for a second, we want to talk about preparing for real life because it's still out there. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle. The worst flu season in over a decade. The flu has been going around these parts. It can be scary to know that you might not be able to get the stuff that you need. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than uh, you know one of my loved ones, family members, kids. Uh, getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication and they needed, thankfully, I know it'll be okay because of Jace Medical. Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, uh, skin infections, among others. Stuff can happen to any of us. It has happened to us where we have not in the past, long ago, been able to get some of the stuff we really, really needed. It can be scary. Visit jacemedical.com 
Complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. I'd love to hear that. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Once again, jacemedical.com. Promo code LOCKEDON. $20 off your order. Visit jacemedical.com. So as we wrap up the 124-97 victory for the Brooklyn Nets at home over the Washington Wizards, we talk about another key player, and that's Cam Thomas. A couple of you know low-scoring games for him, some shooting struggles. Doug highlighted the, the blitzing action that Atlanta wanted to throw at him and trying to come out of that slump. It was another relatively quiet start for him in this game as well. But the difference here for me is when you see the way this offense is playing, and this it's the full team here, the ball movement, right, the rotation, the driving kick, the extra passes that they were working here. There was a sequence when Cam Thomas gets it from, I'm going to say Spencer Dinwiddie up at the top of the key, kicks it out to the left side, fakes the shot, drives the lane, and he could go hard at the basket if he wants to. But instead, he fires it out to the corner to Cameron Johnson, who nails a triple. Four more assists in this game for Cam yeah. Thomas. 7-19, 17 points. Had a couple of rebounds thrown in there as well. Did not get to the line. Only twice here. But I think the highest compliment you can pay to Cam Thomas is that he is a part of the offense now. It is not just him unto himself. He's living inside of it, and that makes games where he only scores 17 points, that can be a good thing because he's still helping others be successful on the offensive end. Yeah, look, it's a get-right spot facing the worst defensive efficiency team in the league for sure. Like Washington uh, totally stinks on defense, so you're happy to just have a bounce back. You know, and I was we were watching early to see, you know, would Washington try to incorporate any of the stuff that worked really pretty well against Cam uh, against Atlanta? Uh, spoiler alert, they didn't try at all. So it didn't. So he was able to he was able to sort of get into nah, some of what <laughs> he's like, nah, not doing that. <laughs> Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> Why try to fix what is so aggressively broken? There's no reason. Feels like a lot of work to like think about trapping and hard and hard hedging and stuff. So I don't think I don't I don't think we're gonna be doing that. Um and actually Vince Carter, good job by him on the thing. He actually called out Jordan Poole at one point because Jordan Poole was like stuck. I know we're talking about Cam, but Jordan Poole was stuck in no man's land where he could have either tagged the roller or uh protected the asteroid. He just did neither. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of stood there. Someone just blew by him. So they could have had the layup or the shot. No, with Cam, they they weren't gonna throw they didn't throw any uh complex or really any defensive stuff at him, but Good point by you on the driving kick. He had another one about four possessions before that where he drove the lane, saw a bigger body in front of him, and dumped off the Claxton. Yes. And yes. you're like, oh, okay, this is some of the stuff that's happening here. We saw it a little bit happen where he was passing out of the doubles at the end of the, the Hawks game too. And I guess that, you know, you've rightly pointed out that game did not turn out well, but there was at least inklings that he was mm-hmm. sort of starting to synthesize some of the issues that he was having. This stuff is going to end up compounding in a good way for the Nets offense with him being able to read and react more about, I don't have to take the tough shot. I can trust other guys to make shots. I can trust the dump off. I can trust the roller, right? I can trust um, the part where he, the one you highlighted is the best one because he's at the rim. Like yes. and that is a shot that he's at the rim and he has made the shot a million times where he contorts his body, goes up over a big or either gets fouled or makes a shot. The part where he chooses not to do that and hits Cam Johnson in the corner. That was the eye-opening, like, oh, he's making another leap here. Yep. And if he and we've said this, if he becomes even part of a distributor where you have to respect that, this Nets offense has a very, very high ceiling. Like they 
all of a sudden are incredibly difficult to guard. If he's going to be able to do both things, then the, the Nets are in just such a such a great spot. It's awesome to see because I was this was the thing he he needed to be able to do this last year. He needed to take catch and shoot threes and he needed to shoot as soon as he was open. That was the mm-hmm. first thing he needed to do. Bang, he did it. He started taking catch and shoot threes when he was open. Next thing is now finding the next pass if the shot's not there. It's happening. It's awesome. Now it, it is now. I don't know why this is. It makes me chuckle because it feels like it's been a theme here. We go back into the bench and we talk about, as we said, Dayron Sharp combining him with Royce O'Neal, who shot three of nine from beyond the arc. I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna pause on this. I was gonna go into the the bench and the scoring, and that's been a big theme for the season. But I feel like I just need to make mention that Royce O'Neal was ready to take on whether or not he knew which they were any of the wizards players that got in his way. And I love like he has, I, I feel like he's become a bit of that guy for this team, especially coming off the bench. He plays a little bit chippy. He's a veteran guy. He's going to dig in defensively. And then when he knocks down triples and he likes to take some deep ones, he also wants to let, let his own bench know and whoever may have wronged him. And I don't even know if anybody did or not, but the bottom line is I love the way Royce was playing this game. It's just like one of those fun things when you're pouring it onto a bad team. Yeah, it's easy to do when you're when you're kind of piling it on and everything's yeah. going in and you're up by 30 and stuff like this. But I think this is a team that we're seeing starting to gain this confidence. Like, you know, and it kind of it, it kind of does dovetail off of the Cam Thomas thing. It's like, hey, when you know that basically any combination of five guys that you throw out there is gonna be a good squad. And I like, that's where the nets are. Like with cam, it's like, it's no longer just the cam show when you're playing with him. Right. It's not just, you're, you're not playing with a guy who's just going to be a high usage guy where you're Royce your, you know, you're coming in off the bench. You're going to get good looks, right? Like you're going to do, you're going to be able to grab stuff like this. Like, I think that we're seeing the effects over these last three games of a trust among the guys who are getting minutes. And some of these guys like Den- Dennis, Smith jr. Like he played a great game last game. He wasn't even here. These Lonnie Walker, we we know everyone. He already fits the mold, so that's mm-hmm. fine. Whenever he comes back, he's back in it. I'd even say the same for Simmons, frankly. At this point, like I like I think that like there was trust at least that they knew what they were getting from him and sort of could understand you know sort of how it was going to flow. When guys like Royce O'Neal come in with extreme confidence, when can't when they see this stuff sort of happening on the court in front of them, I think this is having a compounding effect where you just know there's just no weak there's no weak link in this group right now. Right. Like, I think that's been the theme. That's been the theme of this whole thing. It's like this, 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 this win. There's no weak links in this group. Maybe there's no superstars, but there's no below average players at all. Like everyone's above average or well, well, well above average. And that was that that was the last thing I was going to say here was no Dennis Smith Jr. And I really thought in a game like this where Washington can at least score a ton of points, potentially, you would have loved to have had a Dennis Smith Jr. on the court, right, to take on some of those assignments. And then Lonnie Walker is going to miss some miss some time here as well. The three point shooting. But again, even though there was some garbage time minutes in this, it's over 50 points from the bench unit. And, and that includes the guys that were doing it in minutes that really matter. Dayron Sharp and Royce O'Neal combining for 28 points just between the two of them alone. Right. So it is I. I I think we're at the place now and we're going to discuss it where you start to reevaluate if you're not a championship caliber team and you don't feel like you need to have one or two superstars in that type of roster. This is the best possible version that you could have of a non-championship level team, I think, right? That comes at you in waves, that has consistency, and that unlike years past, has done a very good job of creating skill redundancies. That was always a problem. Even when you had the superstars, it was like, well, then it's, I mean, frankly, then it's Patty Mills, right? I mean, it was like, you know, throw out the cast of characters that they had coming off the bench here. Now you just have a consistency in, 
I've got two to three guys that can all overlap in roles, and that affords them the ability not only to bury bad teams like the Wizards, but also stay in more games often than not. That's really what it comes down to for me, and it's a great way to cap off this homestand, a team where outside of the Hornets game, you'd say they checked every box that you wanted them to over this stretch that we highlighted coming in. Got to win most of these games. And by the way, don't forget, they took care of the heat. They were depleted. They had injuries. Not my problem. Another win on the docket. Nets get to 12 and nine. And that's got injuries of their own, so I don't want to hear it. Okay, we're going to get out of here. We uh, are live on Junior, YouTube. Bam out of bio. That's one-to-one injuries. Come on. Yeah, ben Simmons. Um, we're going to we're uh, we're gonna be over on live on YouTube. we got a bunch of people over here. Throw in your questions on YouTube as we close this thing out. We'll stick around here talking more Wizards, Nets, uh, Nets drubbing of the Washington Wizards. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave a review, five stars or a bust. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're listening right now. Absolutely no excuse. If you're watching right now, just hit subscribe. That's all. That's Come on. It's so easy. It's, and it's totally free. You can also join subtext.com slash locked on nets. Hey, I was looking for something about clicking on all cylinders for the quote. I ended up with life is 440 horsepower in a two cylinder engine. A <laughs> little too more car based than I hoped for, but that is Henry Miller. Oh, one of the all time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow and in a second on YouTube live talking more Brooklyn. That's basketball. Basketball.